Movie Marks. Becca, would you like to know the easiest way to know if a movie is bad? I sure would. Well, the secret is a good fisting. <laughs> Always remember these five things and you'll know immediately if the film you're watching is bad. Hulk, Hogan, Marshall, Arts, Expert. Those are the five keys to a good fisting and a bad movie. We're the movie marks, and today we're grappling with Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain, starring Hulk Hogan. Welcome to the Movie Marks, the podcast where we discuss movies starring professional wrestlers who act like amateurs. I'm Chris Sacco, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the Robert Gibson to my Ricky Morton, Chris Kramer. Listen, I... Ricky Morton is having a great comeback. He's been wrestling a lot on the indies lately. Young guys. <laughs> well, I mean, this one you can't complain that I gave you the better one or the worst one because they're both fantastic. They are both fantastic, but one just has a lazy eye. Uh, yeah, that, that is true. I went with Morton just because I wish I had hair like that, sort of the the uh, 80s glam rock hair that is the same for the last 50 years of my life. Yeah, that's like a weird thing some wrestlers from that time period are able to still maintain. Like somehow the hammer still has a full head of hair. Yeah, it's a full head of hair, but it's also been receding at the same level for 30 years somehow, but never retreats any further. No, it, it's a full head of hair, but it looks as thin as like angel hair pasta. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I picked today's movie, so I'm going to be guiding you through the... Uh, treasure trove that is high noon at mega mountain but before we get to that we have some more listener feedback Ooh, listener feedback yeah this makes me uh, this is becoming in my favorite part of the show uh i know someone's listening yeah until we hit one that's really mean then we'll never do it again but for now they've been mostly uh benign uh mike from new jersey wrote in to say that he's gonna keep listening because the first episode was good enough that's kind of like what I live my life by. Everything I've ever done is good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's not a compliment, but it's not an insult. So I'll take it. No. Yeah, we'll be we'll be the uh, we'll be the positives of this. This is the glass half full kind of email. Right. He's he's probably gonna write again now that we've mentioned him and bash us, just because we misinterpreted no. his. But you know, whatever. We, we don't we don't know this clown, so who cares. Yeah, and if the next one's really mean, we'll spin that into a positive, too. You're never going to win, Mike. <laughs> so uh, let's see if we can impress Mike today with Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. Uh, it is the fourth film in the Three Ninjas franchise. Off air, I described it to you as the fourth film of the trilogy because, <laughs> you know, why not? Uh, well, uh, I did, of course, watch all four movies as part of my research. I'll reference them as much as I can, but they are all basically the same up until this one, which is completely insane. I had no idea there was four movies in this. Like, whenever I've thought of this movie, I, this whole thing, I honestly thought there was only three. I saw the first one in theaters and then did not come back. The uh, the crazy thing, okay, we're, we're just, we're talking about the franchise now. This is now a Three Ninjas <laughs> podcast, but the the funny thing is the first two movies were filmed basically back to back. But then for some reason, the sequel wasn't released until the third movie. So this franchise actually has a prequel in it, 
which is just the craziest thing. This is way more complicated than this franchise has any right to be. Uh, yes, I- indeed. This this installment is directed and co-written by Sean McNamara, who hasn't he's done a lot of things, nothing notable, but he's still working. He does some TV stuff. He's got a few features coming out that he's working on right now. So he has stayed around. So good for him. No, good for him. This movie starts with some of the most overblown late 90s credits. (laughs) Well, it's got the old TriStar logo, which I always get excited for. It's one of the best film logos. It really is. It's cool. The the whole uh, the Pegasus running through the clouds. I like that. But the, the logo of the movie itself is the highest level they could achieve on a on a Windows 95 computer. It's got the huge 3D <laughs> well, numeral three, and then it's got lasers making the name. It's awesome. This movie did end up having shockingly more CGI in it than I expected a movie like this to have. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- they must have saved money on the location because there's only one location. But, you know, from a production standpoint, the movie actually overall looks pretty good overall. The opening scene of our movie introduces us, or reintroduces us, I suppose, to our uh, three teenage and younger ninjas in a very dangerous-looking training facility that is being run by their grandfather. I, my notes were the grandfather built them the set from WMAC Masters. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. It's very dark and there's a lot of fire going around in the background. The uh, grandfather is played by Victor Wong. Fun fact, he's the only one to appear in all four movies. He's great. I love Victor Wong. He's like a staple of growing up kids action movies that are actually adult movies, that whole thing. Yes, he is, uh, Victor Wong is great. He, in this one, you can tell that he was not in great health anymore. He uh, He's having trouble speaking. Uh, hearing that he's slurring his words. You know, he was in his 70s at this point. Yeah. This is actually his final role. He died a few years after this came out. But yeah, he's great. He's not in this one a whole lot. He is basically just in this training scene. But it is great. The, the training scene, of course, is crazy dangerous. And then the kids, they successfully... Uh, win the course but then he makes it twice as dangerous because he makes him run it backwards in the dark yeah there's something about the fact that this grandfather sharpened bamboo sticks to stab these children (laughs) and wasn't happy enough that they didn't get them the first time (laughs) i mean not just sharpened bamboo sticks but there's fireballs and at one point there's a like a launching uh toilet plunger gun that shoots at these kids (laughs) So, so these obstacles range from dangerous to slapstick comedy. <laughs> they, they're, they're dangerous from comes with a Ninja Turtles figure. <laughs> we see these ninjas getting the crap beaten out of them on the second run of the obstacle. And then it immediately cuts and we're, we're on their front lawn and he tells them they passed the test. How did they pass? They got the crap beaten <laughs> out of them. This, this was your standard, especially in like action movies thing where the movie opens with your heroes failing at something just so you know that they'll succeed at it later in the film exactly so this is the this is the running plot of this series actually is that these kids go to their ninja grandfather's house for the entire summer that's the same in every movie that's when all their adventures take place so this was the last day of their summer vacation where they're not training as ninjas anymore he drops them off and the kids 
say goodbye and then they go in their house and the two older kids are basically saying I never want to see my grandfather again that's basically what they're saying <laughs> to the younger kid uh, Rocky who's the oldest one announces he's his grandfather is dead to him he doesn't want to be a ninja anymore and he needs to get a job so that he can afford a ride so Rocky sucks right off the top oh, Rocky's an asshole and uh, just just for the listener, I'm not going to be using their given names. I'm going to be using their three ninjas bullshit names throughout the movie because <laughs> they have real names, but their real names are you know Johnny and Billy. So the the kids' names are Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum. And they've got their whole family calling them by their bullshit names, which is even more like this whole family is buying into this. Well, Kramer, if you had done your research, you would have known that this was a thing in the first movie where the father refused to call them by their ninja names. And then came around eventually. So, you know, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to franchise shame you, but that's a thing. So, oh, well, I, I apologize. As as the rock star of this podcast, I watch this half hungover, just wake up and get right into it. I don't do research. <laughs> but your hair looked great. The um, <laughs> <laughs> So the two older kids basically say, Grandpa is dead to me, whatever. The youngest kid is very upset about this. And I'm not going to dwell on this too much because, again, the franchise is nonsense. The kids don't really age correctly. Like, the youngest kid would have been in his 20s by this point if if it aged naturally. But right. these kids also seem to have no memory of all the things they've done with their grandfather. Well, that's what I put here where they, the one kid says that, that karate training is like playing a game with grandpa. But the weird thing is, is that since this is the fourth film, these kids are basically <laughs> Batman at this point, and every yes. movie they basically stop terrorists or thieves. So right. it's not they, playing. They have, He's lived this. <laughs> they, they have successfully fought crime at least three other times, <laughs> and and yet these kids are no. I need to I need to go work at you know Dairy Queen to get a, to buy a car. Whatever. The youngest kid is not on board. They also say to the youngest kid, don't worry, you'll have plenty of more summers with Grandpa. Also implying that they don't want to see their younger brother anymore. So (laughs) this movie has more entanglements, uh, familial ones, than uh, Mom, Can I Keep Her? Um, We cut to some ominous music and what looks like a military battleship in the middle of the ocean. Which, okay, that's a jarring cut. We have our very obvious bad guy soldiers. They're doing all bad guy stuff. They're loading guns. They're looking spooky. And then we get a glimpse of our leader of the group, played by Lonnie Anderson, and her right-hand man, played by Slinky the Dog, and Ernest, Jim Varney, as Lothor Zog. (laughs) First of all, I didn't know his last name was Zog until the credits. I don't think they ever even called him that at any point, so it's fun that they threw that in there. You couldn't. I I get it's a kids movie, but you could not pick two less intimidating villain characters than Lonnie Anderson and Jim Varney. I actually think Varney's pretty good as an intimidating sort of goofy bad guy character. Varney's got a weird like we couldn't get Tim Curry, so we got Jim Varney to play a Tim Curry character kind of vibe going. Well, in this, he's basically playing the evil Ernest from Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> and basically, that's what he's playing. And you know what? Fine. Maybe that's a connected universe film. Who knows? Uh, this is a quick scene just to give us some looks at the bad guys, I guess. Then we cut back to the kids saying goodbye to their grandfather, who's leaving. 
and he had overheard them saying that they never want to do ninja stuff again. And he is clearly heartbroken. Like Victor Wong is is going through acting school here. He's crying. He's, he's very sad. And the kids don't give a shit. Oh no, no. That oh the the kids the night before he was listening through the window with like a tear rolling down his face. So this whole car ride, he was probably just <laughs> not talking to these kids. There was silence. <laughs> They asked to pull over. They asked to pull over for food. He ignored them and just kept driving. <laughs> I mean, I could see that this man was hurt, and they have lived with him for two months, and they cannot tell that something is off with him. <laughs> man, Grandpa's real quiet and crying. What a dork! <laughs> Tum Tum just eating his goddamn candy bar. <laughs> They drop them. They, he drops them off at their parents' house. They're home for the summer. The father is the same father from the other movies. He was only in. He's only been in three of the four movies, but it's the same guy. These are the people they choose to bring back. Are the parents that are barely characters, <laughs> right? Well, the, at this point, the kids were you know in their mid thirties from the first movie because time has no meaning in this franchise. <laughs> oh God, I wish they didn't hire this kid that played Colt. <laughs> oh, the kid that played Colt is. I we'll, we'll get to it, but I know why they hired him at least. So okay, uh, Grandpa gives Tum Tum, the only kid who loves him, a pocket watch uh, that tells them that whenever they have the watch, they'll all be together, no matter what. And Tum Tum announces that it's his birthday tomorrow. What a coincidence! <laughs> sure. <laughs> and Kramer, guess timing. where they're going to be? Ce- where where are they going to be celebrating this birthday? Uh, man, is it Chuck E. Cheese? That would have been a wonderful ninja movie as well, but no. They're going to Mega Mountain. Uh, Grandpa Woo! says he's going to meet them there tomorrow. So I guess Grandpa's driving home the three hours and just going to drive back to Mega Mountain the next day. Sure. No one offered him a bed. Yeah, what? He's not even allowed to live with them. Well, that's because probably Rocky was like, no, I don't want him in this house either. I'm done with him, Mom. <laughs> It's either him or me, Mom. (laughs) Next scene, Tum Tum is watching TV, and the fantastic Dave Dragon show is on. Dave Dragon, of course, played by the one and only Hulk Hogan. Because that's who's playing a martial arts expert in your film. Someone very well known for his martial arts prowess. Well, I have this note in here. So the show is called Dave Dragon and the Strike Force 5 which is just fantastic. But the Strike Force 5 part of it are all ninjas. They're straight up ninjas. They're wearing ninja outfits. They do ninja stuff. But Dave Dragon is doing clotheslines and punches. <laughs> and then occasionally they cut they swap in a stunt double and he does a jumping like Liu Kang kick. But for the most part he's not a ninja at all, so I don't understand any of this. And 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 the fake Power Rangers that are his team they're dressed like ninjas, but they're dressed like poor ninjas. They're all wearing like the oh, training yeah. pads you have. That's their outfit is literal <laughs> training pads. <laughs> that they just spray painted backstage. Yeah. So at the end of this episode that Tum Tum is watching, which I guess airs live. I honestly, <laughs> I don't, I guess it airs live, whatever. Dragon tells his kid audience that the network has pulled the plug on his show after 15 years on the air. Because, according to the ratings, kids don't believe in heroes anymore. Yeah, not only does he he tell the kids, he's blaming the kids for his show getting canceled. (laughs) It's so weird. And again, it's live because 
this is his last episode. So I guess they perform this stunt show <laughs> live at three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, it's... this is this was basically Dave Dragon turning heel because the fans stopped believing in him. <laughs> it, like is, if... it is the story. Hollywood Hogan. Exactly. If he, (laughs) if the rest of this movie, Dave Dragon was the main villain because of the he was hating kids. I thought it would have been a, it probably would have been a better movie. (laughs) Um, Dave Dragon announces that as part of, I guess, a farewell tour, he's going to Mega Mountain. I don't know how this would be a draw if he just got canceled, but whatever. Everyone's going to Mega Mountain for some reason. And this tour is one stop. It's Mega Mountain, so it's a short tour. It's also during this broadcast. That Dave Dragon reminds us of the uh, way of the closed fist, which, of course, you referenced in the open about a good fisting being the sign of a bad movie. And, you know, it's all inspirational stuff. The five fingers of the fist or honor, integrity, responsibility. I don't know. It's all a bunch of nonsense. (laughs) We cut back to the bad guy battleship for some reason. Ernest or (laughs) Luthor Zorg or Slinky Dog, whatever you want to call him. He lays out the plan on blueprints of the amusement park. This is when we find out that this is what the bad guys are doing. He's just pointing at rides, basically. I Maybe we're supposed to commit this to memory so we know what the bad guys are doing later, but it's all nonsense. You go here. We're going to jump in there. It, it's, just, it's just crap. He's just pointing at stuff with, like, Raphael's sigh for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was a giant sigh. Like, I, it wasn't even remotely <laughs> human-sized. And this scene also is perfect for this kind of movie because it, it shows you the cast of terrorists so you can establish that you got dumb guy, fat guy, Rasta guy, guy right. with one eye. It is the oddest collection of cultures, styles, technique, acting ability in the history of film. There's just <laughs> every kind it's every kind of stereotype, but they're not all they're none of them are particularly offensive. It's just they're there. Just existing on screen. It's very weird. (laughs) Cut back to the kids. They're looking out the window creepily at neighbors who are moving in across the street. Which is a plot point that I thought was going to come back. But it really doesn't. A character is introduced this way. But I thought it was going to tie in in some other way. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. And it's actually kind of crazy how... And I don't want to jump ahead too much. But how quickly this mother unloads her daughter on a completely new family. Right, it's about 12 hours, and she basically gives this kid up for adoption to the ninja family. Because they meet this kid. The mother doesn't even show up ever again in this movie. No, no. They're they're, they're watching um, uh, a toy helicopter fly around the neighborhood, and Colt, your favorite character in the movie, is worried that the daughter... (laughs) is worried that the daughter who lives there might be prissy, like their last neighbor's. But it turns out she's a rock star because she has a toy helicopter. <laughs> I don't. Cool. So we introduce, we meet her. Her name is Amanda. She uh, her father works in the film industry and is I guess like a prop designer or stuntman or something. So she's also a low level inventor of very dangerous objects. I mean, she claims that, but I got a real weird feeling that her family is like an urban survivalist situation. <laughs> like, they're just building traps <laughs> and mani- writing manifestos, because this, this kid's got full-on weapons on her possession the entire movie. Yes, and for some reason, they're all vaguely ninja. 
She has a yo-yo that is also a, a, sh- a throwing star. She has playing cards that are basically daggers. And here's what... So this doesn't happen. So this is a spoiler of something that doesn't happen. The whole movie, I thought the reveal was going to be that she was Dave Dragon's daughter. And that he was moving next to these kids as part of his retirement. And that was going to be the big reveal. That after all the action, we would see, like, oh, it was actually Dave Dragon. Did you not get that vibe at all? I did not get that vibe at all. You're fantasy booking this movie now. (laughs) (laughs) I totally thought that's where I was headed. I was so excited for the big reveal at the end when the kids take Amanda home and Dave Dragon standing there in a cardigan or something. Wouldn't he have noticed his daughter when they met in the movie? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I don't think he ever interacts with the daughter. (laughs) We're calling her the daughter. It's not his daughter. (laughs) She is a daughter. She is someone's daughter. She's the daughter of a mother who does not love her. But here's here's the thing. From a plot perspective, she keeps talking about her father in the film industry. We never meet this character. So I thought it was all... Uh, you know, uh, it was going to be a swerve that the father in the film industry was Hulk Hogan. Whatever. None of that happens. And, and clearly I'm the only one who thought it. So forget I said any of this. I'm cutting all of this out of the show. No one will ever hear it. Oh, anyway, <laughs> it'll go to the dustbin of history like our uh, like our pilots. Anyway, um, <laughs> the two kids want to hang out with the, the new cool girl. But Rocky decides he doesn't want to deal with his family anymore because he has a girlfriend. So when they get to Mega Mountain, he decides, I'm out of here. I'm going to hang out with my girlfriend. So again, more heartbreak from Rocky. He's the worst family member. And so my note here is, there's two notes. One is the awful late 90s TV music, even though this is not a TV show. (laughs) And I guess since Rocky left, this is just going to be two ninjas. It was late. I was getting a little punchy at this point. <laughs> a pair of ninjas. <laughs> uh, next, we get Jim Varney in a wetsuit, which is something I never needed to see. And it is followed this, by a lengthy break-in scene. This assault on Mega Mountain, I don't know what to call this, is mind-boggling to me. Because it involves a full-on jet ski, like, traveling to the water park. Traveling through an underground water tunnel that I don't even know what its possible purpose was. It has waterfalls <laughs> on both sides. Yeah. And then the best part about this is as this movie goes along, you realize that this theme park is legitimately not near water whatsoever. No. There's it's in Colorado, a, isn't it? It's in Colorado. There's never <laughs> a shot of like water near here, so it never actually even makes sense, the location of this park. <laughs> well, I mean, let's not forget, too, they started on a battleship, so... <laughs> That's true. So I, I guess I guess that was on the you know the Colorado River or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the movie takes place in you know California, but you're right. It, and the break-in scene. So this movie is going to have the amusement park be the site of a hostage situation, but depending on the needs of the film, none of the characters in the movie will realize it's a hostage situation. It's the craziest plot device. And I don't even know how to explain it. No, like there'll it, the be whole... there'll be shootouts by like you, you know the 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 water gun clown thing, and then two feet to the left, no one knows that there's a hostage situation. That's I have that note later. Same exact thing. There is full on gunfire. The park is closed. Cops are surrounding it. 
But when you look in the background, it's still people carrying balloons, eating hot dogs, yeah. like waiting Cotton on candy. line for rides. It's cra- it's so so crazy. I don't. I. I <laughs> so anyway, like you said, that this break-in scene is nuts from a logistical standpoint. But then once they get there, they pick and choose which employees of the park they're going to assault to take over. I guess to strategically gain control. And like sometimes again, it's played for comedy. Like they just they just grab someone's shirt, but other times they're pointing machine guns at <laughs> teenagers, like who are just standing in front of the carousel machine. It's really really it, weird. Well, part of their and it, the full takeover doesn't happen for a few more minutes. But when they do take over this park, like they're installing their fellow terrorists as actual ride operators on some rides. Yeah. Like they have like they have knowledge of running the roller coaster. <laughs> they're lining up at the yeah. doors with machine guns so people can't leave but somehow people are still coming in past these people it's no this might be the worst plan since luke's assault on the uh job of the hut why would you give up <laughs> half of your fighting force to job of the hut as gifts it's just more people you'd have to free later it makes no sense do not bring up that plan again uh, anyway, so the bad guys are getting to the park. They haven't taken over just yet. Now we get a full two minutes of stock amusement park footage uh, that you would have seen if you were in the hotel at Disney World telling you which rides you should go on. As a theme park enthusiast, this might have been my favorite part of the movie. I get, I get, yeah. really, I get really excited for seeing theme parks. Yeah, but it's just your standard, oh, look, they have candy. Oh, look, they have rides. Oh, look, you know, that's all it is. For oh, yeah. two full minutes, the it, kids are doing wacky stuff. Park. It's basically <laughs> no, a no. carnival. Then we cut to the Dave Dragon and the Star Force 5 stunt show. Did I call them Strike Force before? I think I called them Strike Force. It doesn't matter. Thing. They they barely matter to the, to the actual movie, <laughs> the five. <laughs> so, so it's a stunt show. It's... Uh, you know, sort of an Indiana Jones or Wild West on show. They beat up some random bad guys. Fine, whatever. And now is when the bad guys take over the park very easily with machine guns, like you said, installing ride operators for some reason. <laughs> well, this this movie started with like eight terrorists on a boat, but at, when they get to the park, suddenly there's 40. Like, they're everywhere there's 40 and and as you said they install them as ride operators and in various points but then they also take over the control room and apparently can control everything from that one room yes so i don't they, fully it, understand it's the jurassic park control room basically of this movie I, I and i also feel like this control room only existed so lonnie anderson didn't have to spend much time in the actual theme park I could have went back and checked but obviously i did not i don't know if she's ever actually even in the theme park proper <laughs> She's not near any rides, right? No, not until I think at the very end when the money situation happens. Right, she's but just otherwise, she's over never, a fountain. Yeah, she's never really in the theme park. She, she did not go to Denver. Right. No, no shot. Um, so they, they're in this control room. Like you said, it's a Jurassic Park and also vaguely diehard uh, control room. Uh, because there's a Theo character as well who's controlling all this stuff. When they take over the control room, Lonnie Anderson, who has the strangest dialogue this entire movie, says to the people, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Was she trying to make these people think she was a cop? Uh, That line of dialogue makes no sense. Who cares if they're silent? They're now 
They're hostages. This Who makes, gives a shit? This, this, this makes no sense. I think Lonnie Anderson, having, you know, spent a lot of her life around Burt Reynolds, probably does not stick to a script. She probably just comes <laughs> in, starts throwing out all kinds of dialogue, and refuses to do reshoots. <laughs> it's... It, all of her dialogue does not connect to anyone else's dialogue in scenes. It's really, really weird. Uh, now we get to... We cut to a mansion. There's a guy getting a massage. He gets a video call from Lonnie Anderson, whose name is Medusa. Okay. It doesn't tie into anything, but her name is Medusa. And here's their plan. So this is their plan. Ready, Kramer? Because it's complicated, so I want you to pay attention. They took over the park to make the rides dangerous so that they can blackmail the owner of the park into giving them money so that the rides aren't dangerous and he won't get sued by the patrons. It's Got it? Is that track? It, yeah, it's ambitious. I like it, though. It is the worst plan in the history <laughs> of evil plans. What in the holy... Why wouldn't you just go to his house with a machine gun if this was your plan? This is ludicrous on every possible level. I, I My note says this is... a. This plan is awful. It, I mean, alone, it requires you to take over a theme park and make sure people are still riding. But in a normal world, if one thing went wrong, this whole park, everyone would just be gathered in one area trying to leave. No one would still be <laughs> just, riding the Tilt-A-Whirl. I, I, I can't even comprehend it. It It's such a... Li- I mean, you could have done so many... Make, make her his ex-wife. That wants the park in a settlement. So that's why the park has to be part of it. For this to be the plan. He's just a rich guy. Go rob him. Why is this the plan? Uh. Uh. Anyway, that's the plan. That's why we're at this fucking amusement park. Yes, that's why we're at this park. And you, the listener, are now listening to Sacco fantasy book the entire film to what he thinks it should be. (laughs) Amanda should have been Dave Dragon's daughter. It would have made so much more sense. Anyway, we go back to the kids. Rocky is off with his older cool click. There's a, a blonde-haired bully in your standards 90s super long bowl cut haircut who is so annoying. So, like, scratch out your eyes annoying when he's ragging on Rocky. Um, and that, that's it. He's just, in this little snippet of a scene, he's just annoying to Rocky. And he's hitting, vaguely hitting on Rocky's girlfriend. Okay, great. That was always a thing with these kids' movies where, like, one of the good kids would be hanging out with like some asshole kids, but they always hang out with them. Like they're when someone's mean to you, you're not friends with them like this. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it. I, he wanted the, cause they don't even establish what the hierarchy of this friend group is. Are these the cool kids? I don't know. They're just, they just seem to be friends with his girlfriend. So he's tagging along and abandoning his entire family. <laughs> it's okay to abandon Colt. I No one should be hanging out with Colt. He's the worst. <laughs> that cult is pretty rough. So in, ca- in case you're keeping track, folks, we are now 25 or so minutes into this movie. Still no ninja stuff. Just <laughs> in case you're wondering. <laughs> I mean, uh, now we cut backstage to Dave Dragon, who's finished his stunt show, and he symbolically hangs up his toupee as a <laughs> sign that Dave Dragon is no more. That was one of my favorite things, because the way he stared lovingly at his toupee is exactly how I feel Hogan felt like losing his hair over the years. Like this was he he tapped into an internal part. This is probably the best acting of his career. The uh so the the toupee he's wearing is not a full toupee. It's a toupee to make him look like he's balding but still has hair near the top. 
That's all it is because it's still a thin toupee. And I thought that that they were going to try and pretend that that was his actual hair the whole movie. But I really liked that he took it off and we got to see classic bald Hogan. I really liked that, actually. Yeah, I mean, that was fun, but he doesn't leave it off for long for some reason. He makes sure he has it back on. Well, I mean, this is in the locker room. Once he goes out, out into the park, there might be cameras. Luthor, Jim Varney, comes into the dressing room and pretends he's a fan and then knocks Dave Dragon out, tranks him. So this was part of their plan, I guess, because they target Dave Dragon. So they must have known he was there and decided to knock him out so that well, he wouldn't interfere in the plans. Yeah, Correct? They it's never by, stated, but... Well, no, they walk, they walk by that sign and he just points at it and goes, he's an actor, but he may be trouble. No, he's an actor. He's not going to be trouble. <laughs> like, this should not be a concern. Right. And tying into the entire point of their plan, why not rob him too? He's probably got money. That's true. He's got he's got Dave Dragon money. <laughs> and now, 29 minutes into this three ninjas movie, we get our first ninja fight where the kids are, they see Dave Dragon get attacked by the bad guys, and so they spring into action and they fight a small group of bad guys who are now ninjas. Remember, these were military bad guys. Right. You know, flak jackets... <laughs> Battleship. Now they're, now they're ninjas. Now they're ninjas that are soon to be German also. Yeah, I have that. The <laughs> accents on these characters are insane. That's why it's a diehard thing. Now they're German. I don't... This is so crazy. <laughs> so it's only the two ninjas right now. They're in a fight. It's standard ninja stuff. The, the Obviously, the reason these kids were cast, as we're going to get to it, Colt is not a good actor, but he's a pretty good kid ninja. <laughs> these kids are pretty yep. good. He's an excellent kid ninja, but he shouldn't be allowed to give dialogue because he has the most insane lisp for a, for a child <laughs> actor I've ever heard. That it makes him hard well, to understand sometimes. As someone who hosts a podcast with a lisp, I'm offended that you brought that up. <laughs> That's why I'm the bad boy of this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, these kids have this fight. They are no-selling punches from 35-year-old trained ninjas. <laughs> Well, These the kids get too, punched like... in the face and they just shrug it off. Even though they're ninjas, Tum Tum is what six? Well, how old is he supposed to be? It is his I birthday. He's got to be so around there. But yeah, maybe he just turned eight. A a child of that age, even if he hits you at full might and you're a full on soldier, this should not be hurting you at all, right? Like no, maybe I'm I mean, wrong. He can maybe only children reach... are super strong. <laughs> well, did you see the training scene at the beginning of the movie? I, they avoided plungers. The <laughs> so I wouldn't mess with them. So they dispatch with this small group of the bad guys. Tum Tum knocks a guy out and then sits on top of him and caresses his cheeks for a full <laughs> 20 seconds. It's very <laughs> weird. Well, that's the start of his heel turn when he, the next movie where he's the bad guy. He's gotten the taste for blood. It was serial killer level creepy. Like, he wanted to make sure this, there was no light in this guy's eyes. It was really weird. Uh, after the fight, the kids find out that the park has been taken over, but no one else knows somehow. I don't understand how it's possible, but okay. <laughs> Amanda figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. She, so, Dave Dragon's daughter Dave figured Dragon's it out. Daughter, Amanda. She's gonna, Amanda Dragon. She's going to be a major part. <laughs> I can't believe it's not his daughter. Um... <laughs> They run back to Dave Dragon, who's still unconscious, and they enlist his help. 
And here's where, like you said, he decides to put his toupee back on. <laughs> so he's unconscious and bald. And then he's like, I'm going to look into this. But he puts his toupee back on on the way out the door. <laughs> but in a, in a change of pace for this type of movie, he responsibly tells the kids, let the grownups handle this. You guys hide. So that's actually good advice. Usually in this movie, the grownups are like, yeah, let's let's go attack the armed bad guys. <laughs> yeah. But you'll soon find out that uh, Dave Dragon, not really that great at, at at stopping these people. He's not great at anything. Let's, not. let's be real. It's almost a Kurt Russell and Big Trouble situation where he's not really <laughs> as skilled as he's supposed as he sees himself to be. Yeah, well, that's although it's not played that way. You're supposed to think he's amazing, no, yeah. even though he I'm, keeps failing. I mean, he was top build. Um, the kids steal one of the bad guys walkie talkies. They get a mayday call out, which I guess whenever you get a walkie-talkie, if you just yell mayday into it, every cop in Los Angeles comes to your position. So that's good to know. The bad guys now, they realize that the jig is up. They've been found out. So Lonnie Anderson tells her team to send them a warning, to which they start shooting machine guns (laughs) at the front entrance of this park at the advancing police officers. That is some warning. Hey, it, it got it got the message across to the police, but it was subtle enough that the park still continued to operate as a fully functional theme park. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Wouldn't someone near that say, holy shit, they're shooting real machine guns and go tell someone at the back by the Tilt-A-Whirl? This doesn't make any sense. No one is alarmed. <laughs> the cops, this is, I guess, LAPD, they got shot at and one of them says... This is way out of our jurisdiction. Let's get the feds. That's not how police works. <laughs> not in any way. That's not how you do things. But it works because, of course, the kid's father works for the FBI, which is is part of this franchise. Yes, it's a recurring theme in this franchise. Their FBI father. Uh, we cut to his office. He gets a phone call that lays out the entire hostage situation plot and his follow-up conversation with his wife in 12 seconds. It's the sitcom phone call where he picks up the phone and then immediately says, oh, no, really? So that means that someone on the other end blurted out all of the exposition <laughs> immediately. There's a terrorist attack in Mag Mountain. The kids are there and they took Amanda from next door who just moved in today and she wanted breakfast and then she's our kid now. But go get him. Okay. So, <laughs> so he's on the case now. My note here is uh, it's a little melancholy because what I write down is this movie has to be almost over, right? Nope, there's still 56 minutes left, folks. I I paused this movie so many times and was amazed how much time was left, and it's not even that long of a movie. So no, that was that was very heartbreaking every time I did that. It is it is a really really tough watch. Okay, so now the kids are talking to their dad, and they say to him that there are ninjas all over the park. But are there? <laughs> it's they're not ninjas they're not all over the park these kids have no way of knowing if there are that many ninjas all over the park i mean they fought three that's it so these kids just assume anyone is a ninja i think is what it is (laughs) they everything hey the ninja delivered pizza today (laughs) (laughs) anyone older than rocky is a ninja yeah everyone's a ninja everyone's immediately a ninja in this universe (laughs) So the father tells them the same thing. The grown-ups are here now. Do nothing. Yeah, right. Did you see the last three movies, Dad? (laughs) 
Shut um, your ass up, Dad. We got this. <laughs> one one of the kids, I don't know. They're all the same. One of the kids says, this isn't one of Grandpa's crazy adventure. This is real life hard copy stuff. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? And did you see the last three movies because you were in real life hard copy stuff? <laughs> actually, no, he didn't since it's never been the same kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, actually. This is the only one where the kids are different. Oh, fine. I don't watch these movies. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda shows off her bag of wacky gadgets, which we've talked about, are all vaguely ninja related somehow. Well, my note for that was Amanda's a fucking problem. She has a book bag full of <laughs> knives. Yeah. <laughs> knives, playing cards that are clearly uh cut into the shape of dangerous <laughs> weapons. This also shows you uh how how security used to be in public places where you could just enter a theme park with a bag full of <laughs> knives. <laughs> Exactly. And, How the hell did she get in there? And and a remote control plane. I mean, a helicopter and a computer. This kid's lugging around about forty five pounds worth of stuff all day. <laughs> she has got to be getting tired at this point. It's, it's also California, <laughs> so it's probably hot. And the end of the summer. It's yeah. It's, it's very hot. End of the summer. It's Colorado. It's probably like forty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so now Lonnie Anderson starts to accelerate. The rides to endanger the people. Okay. <laughs> this scene. So, <laughs> so, so these rides, this, it's, I, what is that ride called? I don't know. It's, it's, I, just I put it, it's like a spinning swing kind of thing. Right. So it's just spinning way too fast. And the, uh, the father asks an engineer who happens to be walking past, this ride is going too fast. What could happen to the people on there? And the engineer responds, extreme nausea, loss of consciousness, maybe even death. Huh? <laughs> Is that what... <laughs> Would you just expire from being spun too fast? I don't understand. I, and if you notice, too, in this scene, while they're turning up the speed to the swing, they're turning up a dial that says temperature. So... <laughs> I immediately noticed that they were turning up the temperature knob, and that evidently controls the spin of the swing that could kill these people. Uh, Medusa decides that her number one threat, not the FBI, not the LAPD, not anything else, her number one threat is these punk kids. So she's able to take a picture, a screen grab, essentially, of them because they decided to taunt her for some reason. And she gives it to Luthar, to give to her nephews. That's who that's who these people are, right? Yeah, she said my three dumb nephews cuz in these kids movies for some reason the main villain always employs their idiot uh, relatives. That's always been a thing with movies like this. So she for so she has all these trained ninjas, you know, perhaps German secret service, who knows. She has all these people and she gives the job to her three idiot nephews. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, they're just kids. Oh, whatever. Did you look at these nephews though? They're, like, filmographies? Yeah, did, did you know who they are? I have no idea. Okay, well, they two of them are actually pretty... Well, one of them's a pretty well-known person. The other is not, but the big fat nephew? That's the fat clown from Batman Returns. <gasps> it is? The one who yes. gets uh, Penguin takes out? Oh, yes, wow. that's the fat clown. <laughs> and then the other two, I didn't know because they don't have their pictures with their IMDb, but one of them... Is the voice of Crash Bandicoot. No way. Yes. Oh, that's great. So oh, I love they that. Might, Crash Bandicoot guy might be the most famous person in this movie. 
Oh, that's awesome. But they're terrible characters, so... Oh, they're awful. Yeah, they're awful characters. The way Jim Varney tells them to go hunt down these kids is by catching up to them as they're waiting online for a ride. Because, again, the park is still operational and very crowded. That was a full line. That was a that line was... That was like at least a half hour, that line they were in. These people were not getting out of line because of gunfire. They've been waiting all day for the mind eraser or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Amanda now assumes her fully formed role as Lexi from the first Jurassic Park film because <laughs> she knows how she can take back control of this park on her tiny computer that she smuggled in. This vague, not a computer. Yeah, it looks like a Palm Pilot, like a slightly larger Palm Pilot <laughs> that would have no computing power at all. So I don't know, but whatever. She, she starts her hacking because now suddenly it's three ninjas plus one hacker. Okay. We finally revisit uh, Hulk Hogan, who has not been in the movie for a while. That that was my note around here, too, is where where did Dave Dragon go? Because he's missing for a good portion of this movie. <laughs> well, it's a crowded amusement park, and he didn't even... <laughs> really... So he's just wandering around this park, hoping to see the one bad guy he saw in his dressing room before. <laughs> but... He does find him, but while tracking him, stops for autographs along the way, too. So he's not, like, super concerned. <laughs> well, that's why he had to put the wig back on in case uh, in case any of his fans snagged him. <laughs> so <laughs> he catches up to Lothar and sees where uh, he goes into, which is the it's a control center room. But he knows he can't get in there simply as Dave Dragon. So he pulls off a great disguise for some reason. There's a gigantic bunny at this amusement park, and you guessed it, Hulk Hogan dresses like a gigantic bunny. <laughs> this is my, this is number two in my actors dressed as animals list of favorite outfits, with number one still being Sean Connery as a bear in the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> and no, not those Avengers, everyone. Yes, the, the, the real Avengers. Of course it works. I, I don't, it's ridiculous. I mean, he, the, the bad guy opens the door for this bunny, and then the bunny punches him. Now, when the, this bad guy also that's in charge of the control center door, is he a ninja or is he a biker? Because he looks like a 400-pound biker with a long gray beard. <laughs> he looks like he's in his late 60s. Is he a ninja? <laughs> well, according to the kids, he would classify as a ninja because he's older than them. <laughs> that's true. But that's what I'm saying. This team is... <laughs> what is it? That was almost certainly someone Hogan met on the way to Sturgis, and he threw him in the movie. <laughs> Oh, definitely. That guy's been hog wild. <laughs> Hogan gets into the command center because there was only one bad guy blocking the entrance and he was able to get all the way to the heart of the operation somehow. And then now we get Dave Dragon doing some ninja stuff, but it is not Hulk Hogan. It is clearly a stunt double. His and he back does is a to few the camera. The entire <laughs> yeah. And now Medusa becomes Catwoman, I think, because she has a whip. Never been a thing before, never used it, but now she's got a whip, and as you were saying, Dave Dragon, not really that great at anything, is immediately defeated by Medusa. <laughs> she kicks his ass a couple times in this movie. Yeah, yeah, Dave Dragon, does. he only beats up underlings. He does basically nothing effective. Uh, tie, they tie him up in a chair. Now we cut back to the dumb nephews catching up to our, our ninjas, and there is a very long comedic fight throughout the entire amusement park between the three ninjas and these dumb nephews and it goes on forever and it's all the standard amusement park hijinks 
you know, at the balloon yeah, popping thing, they throw darts at the bad guys. They they lock them into two fast rides and on and on and on. Yep, water gun game. And and again, these kids are being chased by grown men in an amusement park that is under siege and still no one realizes that anything is is amiss. <laughs> there is live gunfire going on, but you know what? I'm still going to win a goddamn stuffed bear over here at the <laughs> at the water gun game. <laughs> That's that uh, Mega Mountain spirit right there. Imagine how much better Jurassic uh, Park would have been if the dinosaurs were just eating people, but everyone was still walking around, going to the hard rock and stuff. (laughs) Eating their cotton candy as if nothing happened. Covered in blood. After this ridiculous fight, Amanda, we cut back to her hacking the system. And she must be a very good hacker because she is doing so by hitting every button on the keyboard quickly (laughs) and randomly. Because that's what she's doing. Hey, she's a full-on hacker. And did you see what the password was to unlock the park? No, what was it? It was God. So this movie Wait, just what? gave us... It was God. G-O-D. Are you ser- How did I miss that? Are you serious? I'm serious. The password to override the park was God, which is basically a reference to the movie hackers. Wow. So... So is she like Johnny Lee Miller's daughter? Now I got a whole other thing going. That's a whole. She might be Johnny Lee. She's she's fucking crash cyber Manda burn whatever. <laughs> Zero cool. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. But that that's the only reason the password to the park would be God. I mean, I had to look it up. Hackers came out like three years before this movie, so that might be an actual reference to hackers. Wow, that is wonderful, man. That, that, that really, I have to regroup myself. I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm okay. So now we got to the SWAT team who are trying to infiltrate the park. This is your diehard, the cops are going to sneak in scene. So Lonnie Anderson's team has been shooting machine guns at cops previously, but only as a warning. Now she decides to dispel them by turning a fence into a bug zapper. <laughs> and they are comically zapped, complete with you know, dirt on their face and their hairs spiked up because they got electrocuted, but no one's really hurt. And why are they only attacking from chain link fences? Amusement parks don't have chain link fences. No, and well, also they could have just gone through the ocean entrance to the park clearly, which they have not even <laughs> they haven't even looked at that option yet. <laughs> well, the SWAT team boat was on loan. Uh, now Medusa locks a uh, roller coaster upside down. And this is going to be her big play. I'm just going to leave them hanging there so that no one can come near me. Or I'll release the seatbelts. Everyone crashes to their death. She still wants her money. She still thinks she's getting fucking money for this plan. (laughs) Feds everywhere. Bunny Dave Dragon is infiltrated. She still thinks she's getting her goddamn money somehow. I give her credit for being optimistic about how this plan's turning out, even though it's just falling apart at every snap. Uh, She beats up Dave Dragon again, which is awesome. (laughs) Once the roller coaster goes upside down, the FBI taps out immediately. They they immediately, their father says, it's over. Looks like you'll have to pay to the the owner of the park. That's the FBI's reaction to this. We got nothing. Pay her. What the what is that? Uh, we gave it a shot, but, you know, it's Saturday. This is like overtime <laughs> now. I don't. <laughs> the rich guy leaves to go get money from the bank. This is. <laughs> so that scene bizarre. was so unnecessary. There was no reason for that. <laughs> it's a nine minute scene of them walking through this bank and filling bags of money. We cut back to the control center and there's this 
sort of emasculating scene with Dave Dragon. And it's really weird because you get like a glimpse into his soul about how powerless he feels (laughs) by this whole thing that he's just a TV actor who can't do anything. It's really strange. (laughs) Doesn't belong in this movie at all. (laughs) Well, like we said, he's he's not a factor really in this movie much. No, but it it was still it was it was very much like the hanging of the toupee scene earlier where you're getting sort of this glimpse into I mean, let's face it, an aging professional wrestler looking at his career diminishing. That's basically what it is. It was really I mean, his would, daughter's out there. His daughter is out there hacking the system yeah. to save the day. His daughter, a dragon, is out there <laughs> doing more work than he is. Uh, People who just uh, skip through our podcast are going to be so confused that I keep mentioning a daughter that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, she, she doesn't exist to the actual mother in this film of her either, because she doesn't even come. To the, she doesn't even come to the theme park. <laughs> the nephews that were chasing our ninjas, uh, they, they realize they can't defeat them in hand to hand combat, so they come up with the plan of trying to find Rocky's girlfriend, who is in another part of the park. They do this by going to a ride kiosk where they take where they sell the pictures that you're on the ride, and they are able to purchase one of the pictures that Rocky and his girlfriend are in, but they are not in. Would these right. amusement park people sell children's photographs to anyone walking by? No, that should immediately probably get those men kicked out of the park and probably arrested if you're trying to buy children's pictures that are not your children they just walk up to this thing and say oh i'll take that picture it's not a fucking buffet well especially and as a theme park connoisseur that i am they those two people weren't on this roller coaster anytime recently those pictures aren't up there all day for you to come back those pictures are up as you walked by and then they just delete them they're not all you just don't get to go up and go hey let me see every picture from today (laughs) I'm looking for some kids. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that, that that girl looks cute. Give me that one. So All weird. right, whatever, man. <laughs> but it works. They get the picture, and then 30 <laughs> seconds later, they have found this girl from this grainy black and white photo and kidnap her. How did this happen? <laughs> they should have, when they found her, made her pretend to be screaming and then matched it to the photo. <laughs> All right, now act like you're really scared here. All right, I'll go, uh, put your hands up. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> uh, we cut back to Dave Dragon. He does some heroic stuff here. Good for him. He frees some hostages. Um, that, that was fun. And now I'm thinking, oh, Dave Dragon helped out. So this movie's got to be over by this point, right? Pretty close. <laughs> nope. 29 minutes left to go, everyone. <laughs> we get Rocky fighting Lothar on top of the suspended roller coaster next. Because the ninjas feel like they can help somehow. I don't know. But they climb up to the top of the roller coaster and we get them fighting on top of it in like very staged green screen balancing (laughs) act stuff. I mean, they're on top of the loop of the roller coaster. I don't know how to describe this. And they're like floating over it. They're not like even like really on it the way that they put the green screen in. Like they don't look like they match the footage at all. No, they're standing flat and the roller coaster is, of course, curved and they're not curved or (laughs) wobbling or anything. This scene does give me something I never know I needed, which was to see Jim Varney strangle a child. (laughs) That filled a part of my soul I didn't know needed filling. He also is brandishing a sword, so he's trying to cut this kid's head off (laughs) for the whole scene. Of course, Rocky wins. Lothar gets thrown out of the park. In effect, and arrested. 
<laughs> so <laughs> it's very weird. Like he falls off the roller coaster and like into the waiting arms of the LAPD. So Who Jim are Varney on the outside of the building. Yeah, it really. It, this is one of the few lapses in logic in this movie. This is one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of the few. Jim Varney exits the movie right now, gets arrested. A plus for effort, Jim. <laughs> the rich guy is now in a helicopter, and the way they're going to transfer this money is to drop it into the park from above. Why would you do that? Okay. Okay. As he's doing this, he's mentioning all the presidents he's going to miss. He says, you know, all, all the big ones, you know, Jackson, Benjamin, all the, all this stuff. And then he mentions he's going to miss Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln is on the $5 bill. Was this, were these bags filled with $5? This guy hasn't seen a $5 bill in probably about 25 years. People this rich don't know what a $5 bill is. <laughs> was the bank out of hundreds, so he had to get it in fives? I mean, what is that? I'm going to miss you, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so they're dropping them in the, I guess, these watertight bags into like a pond or something. Medusa's out there watching it. And now Amanda uses her toy helicopter to rip open the bags of money as it flies past. <laughs> I don't know how that, again, this helicopter, what did it have, like, razor that, sharp? Well, everything else she's got has razors in it. This thing probably had little knives came out the side, like the chariots and <laughs> Ben-Hur. <laughs> the, uh, the bags of mo- the money, of course, flies everywhere. Now it's chaos. Because, again, these people probably think this is part of the Dave Dragon stunt spectacular. They still don't <laughs> know that they're hostages. <laughs> the Dave Dragon stunt spectacular has been a four-hour, all-over-the-park, immersive theater experience. It wasn't just... It's, it, it's actually quite award-winning and original. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful show if you get a chance to see it. So the money goes everywhere. All the patrons are stealing the money. Medusa, very upset about this because, again, up until three seconds ago, she thought she was getting this goddamn money. Yeah, but even with that, she's mad about it. She's got two bags out of the three, so she's not empty-handed right, right now. No, I mean, I still don't know how she plans to escape, but... <laughs> She does have some of it. Now uh, Now is when Dave Dragon catches up with our heroes and decides to be very irresponsible. Earlier, he told them, let the grown-ups do their thing. Now he's like, fuck it, let's do it together. <laughs> well, I think he's starting to get worried that he's not doing enough. <laughs> so uh, Medusa kidnaps Amanda, very angry about her helicopter stunt. She takes her to what I guess is an underground lair of some kind. Like it's part of the tunnel system under the park. I don't know. Which at this point too, it occurred to me, if you didn't notice, there's no mountain. There's never a mountain in this. <laughs> there's no mountain. Where's the mountain? I did not notice that, but that's very funny. At this point, it occurred to me, there's never been a mountain in this theme park. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, that This movie is a sham. <laughs> Uh, Medusa says to our heroes, the three little bears and the big bad wolf come to rescue Goldilocks. That's not how any of those stories go. She is, (laughs) those stories do not interact in that way. Big bad wolf is a bad guy in the stories. I don't know what's going on with this, this dialogue. There's a fight. Dave Dragon once again immediately gets incapacitated and is knocked unconscious. Well, not only that, he gets incapacitated and she grabs him in like a Vulcan death grip. But also she has the power of electricity suddenly because it makes the sound of a shock. Is she, does she now have superpowers as well? Uh, maybe, but none of them relate to being Medusa. So I don't know. No, there is, there is no stone turning in this movie at all. So really, why is her name that? She probably picked it herself. You don't get to pick your own nickname. That's silly. 
Now my note is ninja fighting with an exclamation point because now we got a whole crap ton of ninja fighting. And again, Dave Dragon's not in this movie. No, no, he's unconscious. He's been electrocuted, as you said, by yeah. her her fancy hands. Medusa plants a bomb on top of Amanda, which, holy shit. <laughs> She's all in now. Now she is fucking murdering a small child. This is also, at the in this part of the movie, is where I said... Wait, didn't Grandpa say he was coming to the theme park today? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm watching this. This is when I think that, and I'm like, oh, so he's going to show up now and help them beat the ninjas, right? Like, like that's what's supposed to happen? No. Much like my Amanda daughter reveal, it's not going to (laughs) happen. I'm I'm assuming they didn't even call him (laughs) because this whole family hates Grandpa. He's been driving three hours. He's still trying to get there. He has no idea. He doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't even have a radio in his car. He just sits there and thinks about how his grandchildren hate him now. That's why he's not there on time. He wants them to die. <laughs> I don't have too many notes about this ninja stuff. Again, it's it's pretty impressive that these kids can do some of this stuff, so I'll give them credit for that. But it's just it's just punching and kicking over and over and over. Rocky's stunt double. Rocky is the oldest one, of, again. Looks like he's in his mid-30s. He's the same height as the bad guy ninjas in various shots. So I don't know if Rocky was the best actor but worst martial artist, or if these were just pickup shots they did later and Rocky couldn't do it. But the guy is clearly a grown man at that point. So Medusa, who has already decided she's going to blow up at least Amanda and probably all of them, has a machine gun pointed down at our heroes after this lengthy fight. But instead of shooting them, she's committed to killing them with a bomb. But instead of shooting them, she decides to shoot the lights so that it's dark. I don't really understand her plan. And I guess Lonnie Anderson didn't read the parts of the script she wasn't in because they did this earlier in the movie and they're fucking ready. Of course they did. They were trained by Grandpa, who's always with them, except for here when he's not with them. So the kids, they uh, they get beat up a little bit, but then they decide to close their eyes which is is pointless because it's dark. So why would you, it doesn't help you to close your eyes. It's not it's not too I, bright. It's too dark. No. So and, and my note here is the kids now become daredevil. <laughs> and it's and honestly, it's not even that dark. I'm sorry. It's really not. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty well lit. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not as bright, but it's you can see. Uh, bad guys wearing night vision goggles, but using the power of the pocket watch that Tum Tum has from his grandfather that says they're all there. So you were wrong, Kramer. Grandpa did come to help in the form of a pocket watch. <laughs> Which didn't even stop a bullet or anything like most pocket watches do in movies. No, just told time. Yeah. So uh, kids beat up the bad guys in the dark. Great. They uh, they free Amanda. But now the bomb is about to explode. And now we get a riveting tech support scene. <laughs> where they're trying to figure out how to disarm this bomb. Some of the dialogue here, Kramer, is fantastic. One of the kids says, Amanda says, my computer won't connect to it because it must need a recharge. And one of the boys says, as he tries to plug it into the outlet, it's no good. We need a three-prong outlet. So this is the climax of this movie, is them trying to figure out how to plug in a laptop charger. That specific quote is actually in the notable quote section of the imdb (laughs) for this film and that's insane that that is there's only like four or five and not a single one of them is a notable quote it's really highlighted by that one about the prongs and then another one is dave dragon says let me get this and that's it (laughs) 
it's funny. You told me off air as part of your prep, you read those quotes and suggested I do it too. And then I forgot to. So I independently wrote down that quote without knowing it was on IMDb. Well, then you know what? IMDb is right. That is the most notable quote of the film. I mean, it's wonderful. It's the climax of the movie. <laughs> so if this need kid a needs prop. a power converter. And then did, did you see how he tries to fix it? He, he rips, rips one of the them out. <laughs> he rips one of the prongs out of the plug. That's not how electronics work at all. <laughs> and they said, no, it still doesn't work. <laughs> and the entire time, and I made a note of this, Amanda's looking at them. She doesn't blink. She's just staring because this kid's ripping her computer apart in front of her. <laughs> Uh, well, she she probably stole it or something. She's a yeah. hoodlum, as we've dis- discussed. So now the kids, I don't know where they come up with this plan, but now they decide <laughs> to duct tape the bomb to a series of, I guess they're oxygen canisters. For the underwater tunnel. Right. But they're going to duct tape the bomb to it and eject it out of the area they're in like a torpedo. Which makes no sense if you try even think how this would work. No, it would ex- it would make the bomb explode. That's what it would do. But anyway, this is their plan. So they're trying to hit the gate, the valve that'll make the tanks go so it'll shoot, and they're not strong enough. But Kramer, you know who is strong enough? Who is strong enough? Dave motherfucking Dragon is strong enough. <laughs> he emerges much like WrestleMania 9. Hulk Hogan wasn't booked for the main event, but comes in the day after doing nothing <laughs> to save the day. He launches the torpedo bomb thingy. It goes away from them. Goes right to Medusa's battleship boat. How? How does it do this? They're in a boat in the ocean. (laughs) And this bomb is on air tanks in a hallway that somehow is a direct shot to this boat (laughs) that's in the ocean. Well, a deleted scene shows Amanda rigging uh, heat seeking into this (laughs) contraption that they made with duct tape. Medusa sees her coming, her and her bad guys jump off the boat, and then this boat fucking explodes in the largest explosion known to man. Was that actually in this movie, or do you think that was stock footage? Because there's no way this movie could afford that. I I think it was real. God, it's hard to believe because that's like the biggest piece of like thing you could tell in this movie they actually spent any money on was an explosion. Oh, this thing is like game over level explosion. It is so huge, this explosion. <laughs> All right, listen, guys, we got money, but it's either going to be the explosion where we put an actual mountain in the park. <laughs> no, nah, let's stick with the explosion. We'll just, you know, the mountain doesn't play into the park, really. It's fine. Uh, so the bad guys are stopped. They get caught. Now the, the the kids are heroes, so they're being interviewed after all this chaos. Grandpa comes back into the movie. Yay for Victor Wong. He gets a hug. Um, the kids are, they're, the news reporter is saying, man, how does it feel to be heroes? How does it feel to be heroes? And then the kids, for some reason, decide to tell the reporter that the real hero was Dave Dragon. <laughs> That's nice of them. Maybe revive his career. The reporter goes over to him, and here's where Dave Dragon is going to say, no, these kids actually did it. <laughs> Nope. He takes all the fucking credit. Takes all the credit. Takes all the I mean, this, so this whole movie we're talking about, aging superstar Hulk Hogan, this is a story of his professional wrestling career that he would never put anyone else over. And we're seeing that maybe he's starting to realize the error of his ways, but then at the end of the movie, he refuses to put anyone else over and takes all credit for saving the world. (laughs) He takes all credit for saving the world. He hits on the reporter. (laughs) That's right. 
she's and she's flirting back on air. She's still holding the and, microphone. And not only that, in the course of him taking credit and hitting on the reporter, she also knows that the show is coming back somehow. A lot of things <laughs> happen very quickly in this forty-five seconds. <laughs> and that's it. That's how our movies movie ends. That's how the well, no, that's that's kind of how the movie ends. Also, within the last minute, the mom pulls a cake out of her ass to give to Tum Tum, and <laughs> right, fireworks right. go off. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And then we get uh, the end written on screen in the uh, most basic uh, Microsoft Word font. <laughs> it was the explosion money. That's how they had to. That's how it was left. <laughs> so th- that was the uh, the plot of Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Do you have anything else you'd like to highlight before we move on? Not really. I think we covered most of this movie. Um, as you mentioned when we first announced this movie, I am a theme park enthusiast, so I was excited to see this. I particularly enjoy fake theme parks in movies. Uh, yeah. This does not hold a candle to the Beverly Hills Cop 3 theme park. Oh, but, definitely you know, not. That's a great one. That's a great fake theme park, but uh, no, yeah. that's not really. That's pretty much it for this one. All right, so now we're going to go on to our review process, and in honor of this week's movie, we're going to rename it The Three Count. Ooh, I like that name. We should stick with that going forward. Nah, there's a whole bunch of copyright stuff. So as always in The Three Count, we uh, ask three questions of the movie to determine if we would recommend it for you. The first question is always, Kramer, is this a wrestling movie? Sacco, this is in fact not a wrestling movie. So much in the fact that it casts arguably the most famous wrestler in history as a martial arts expert. (laughs) Yeah, not a wrestling movie, not even really a martial arts movie, (laughs) if I'm being honest. Yeah, this was still in that... I mean, this is the sort of end of Hogan's realistic push as a movie guy. He'd been trying it for about 15 years. It wasn't really working out at this point. But now he's sort of pushing into, oh, I only make family movies where I can punch some people. This is at the tail end of that portion of his acting career. But he doesn't even really fight all that much in this movie. There's, it's, it's such a weird casting choice. I can't imagine he's who they had in mind for it. It can't be. And there's no reason for him to be in this movie. Like, It's not like his... Was his name value worth enough that he was should have been top bill at this time in 98? Yes. I would say, yeah, for this type of okay. movie, I would say, yeah. This is a low-budget movie. He had just gotten something of a resurgent pop from switching brands. Right. It's just, it, 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 like you said, it doesn't feel like he was the one they wanted for this movie to begin with. No, I mean, he's not a, I mean, if this was, say, late-stage Jackie Chan or something like that, someone with some who could kick someone or something, maybe, but, I mean, an aging pro wrestler, it just doesn't fit. So it's not a wrestling movie, but Kramer, is this a good movie? Uh, no, this is not a good movie. It is the fourth movie of a franchise that I had no idea we had four movies. I legitimately thought it was a first one and a second one, and I thought this was the second one for the longest time. <laughs> um, it's not a good movie, but much like we talked about in uh, Mom, Can I Keep Her, I was so nostalgic watching this movie. It's It's got all the tropes of the late 90s uh, family movies. It's got amusement park stuff, which, you know, just obviously reminds you of being a kid anyway. Yeah. And I also, I, you know, I, I, I only saw it once, I think, but the original movie, I have memories of seeing that as a kid and being like, oh, this is so cool. There are kid heroes. 
So there's a there. It's not a good movie, but it's also not as bad as it probably could have been. I'd say. Yeah, that's true. It, it feels like one of those movies too. Not movies, but the franchise itself feels like it's ripe to get a reboot soon. Like there should be a new Three Ninjas franchise. So it's not a good movie, not a wrestling movie. But where on the card would you rank this? It's an opener. I don't think it's a good one. Uh, it takes your main talent or star if you can see my air quotes through the microphone <laughs> um because hogan is barely in this movie in a capacity that uses him so this is right. almost if i were to call it anything it's an opening match or one of those weird segments where somebody comes out to show their skills at something just to get heat <laughs> so like uh kurt angle showing off his medals or something like that yeah something like that like it was like hulk hogan came out for 15 minutes on nitro at the start of the uh, second hour and did a martial <laughs> arts exposition <laughs> or, like, <laughs> like where he's a uh, like folding laundry like in batman forever where Robin yeah. does that yeah and like uh bischoff's holding you know bricks for him to crush or something <laughs> that one biker that was in the movie from sturgis is also there <laughs> yeah all right i I think I'll put it opener too. I I'm, I had it in between. It's either a job or an opener. It's a jobber because it's so absurd that you know obviously you're going to steamroll this movie with other movies, but it's it's so inoffensive. It is tough to watch though. You know you know what I might have to put it in jobber because it's it's a long ninety four minute movie. It it's three hours, but it's an hour ninety four. It's crazy. <sighs> Yeah, I don't, it's somewhere in that job or opener area. It's I just I just realized how how painful it was to watch. All right, well, yeah, we'll we'll split the difference. We'll put it somewhere in the. Uh, oh God, it was so long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, now that we've reviewed it, not not a great review, really. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're laughing, but we pretty much crushed this movie. Um, but after we review the movie, it's time to put a little sizzle on this podcast. Kramer, it's time for the swerve. This is the swerve. So for today's swerve, I came up with a theme for our game. Hulk Hogan's in this movie. It's called Three Ninjas. So we're going to be talking about Hulk Hogan and his relationship with the number three. First, I'm going to go off theme for my first question because I just thought this was kind of fun. So the first question uh, relates to the concept of Mega Mountain. <laughs> Can you name the two teams that Hulk Hogan was a part of with Mega in their name? Well, the first one's obviously the Mega Powers. Correct. And then the second one... Oh, God, I don't know the second one. Was it the Mega Barbers? Uh, it is not the Mega Barbers, although the team was with the Barber. Uh, at, at WrestleMania 9... Uh, he and Brutus Beefcake team up, and their team name is randomly announced as the Mega Maniacs. I don't know why, but that's always stuck in my head. So I thought the Mega Maniacs was Warrior and Macho. No, that was the Ultimate Ultimate Maniacs. Maniacs. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. This is at a time that's when you always had to name the teams. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So that's my off-theme question. I just thought that was fun. Now we're going to do Hogan and the number three. Okay, so we'll start off with a real softball for you. You ready? Who was Hulk Hogan's opponent at WrestleMania 3? It was Andre the Giant. Of course it was. One of the most important matches in the history of professional wrestling. Probably the most important match. Hulk Hogan, of course, is a multiple-time world champion. 
winning the title in both of the major American companies. Can you name the person he beat in WCW to earn his third world title? Oh, third. Um, yeah, number number three. Pay attention. I know. I'm, I'm thinking here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, for his third title, he probably beat someone that was champion that was kind of lame i'm gonna say it was like lex luger that is an amazing pull because <laughs> he beat lex luger for his third title and that is a really Hell yeah strong pull right there and and just for the <laughs> listeners at home i'm i'm watching kramer he's not cheating because because i would call that shit no, out I if just, he was on you know wikipedia or something no i just had to think about it because it was it was wcw so at some point there was a very mediocre lex luger uh title reign that had to get shut down by hogan yeah it was uh it was a it was a switch luger had the title for like five days and then gave it right back to hogan yeah my so, biggest my biggest memory of that early on uh hogan to wcw was how often wcw would air the footage of his parade at mgm studios <laughs> in his in his yellow and red corvette that they had <laughs> uh yeah they had it of course you remember that because you're <laughs> Your obsession with movie <laughs> amusement parks. Yep. Those were the best nitros, all the ones from the front gate. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. According to his Wikipedia page, so this is the level of research we do on the movie marks, folks. What was the third movie that Hulk Hogan appeared in? Uh, third movie he appeared in? Yes. Third movie he appeared in. I'm going to say the third movie that Hulk Hogan appeared in was Suburban Commando. You would be incorrect. Son of a bitch. Hogan's third movie was the classic No Holds Barred. Really? Oh. So what was the... Yeah. I thought that was his second movie. Okay, it's his second movie in which he actually played a character. He okay. was in a... Uh, I didn't even write it down, but he was uh, uh, like an almost an extra in a... Uh, he had a background role in a movie in between Rocky Three and No Holds Barred. Oh, I did not know that. Do you know what the movie was? Do you remember that? I don't remember it. I should have written it down. Eh, it's, some, right. it's some early 80s action movie. All right, moving along, we're going to we're going to run back a similar question we've had already. Who is the third person Hogan beat to win the WWF world title? Oh boy, WWF third person. I am going to say it was the Macho Man. Incorrect. That was his second title reign. His Damn third it. title reign came at WrestleMania 7 when he defeated the Turncoat Sergeant Slaughter. I still win though. Give me points for that one. <laughs> no. The final question. Hulk Hogan, as you know, main evented the first nine WrestleManias. Okay? He wasn't booked to main event the ninth one, but he ended up main eventing the ninth one. You are so mad about that one with that Well, that's because bullshit. he stole the thunder from Bret Hart. Anyway. Overrated. As a kid, I, as a kid, I loved that, though. When Hogan came out after <laughs> Yokozuna won, that was, I popped so hard for that. Anyway, at WrestleMania 1, he wrestled in a tag team match. As part of the main event, he was teamed Correct. with Mr. T against Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. Mm -hmm. Can you name the third person Hulk Hogan wrestled in a singles match at WrestleMania? Oh, good God. All right. I am going to say it was, and I'm going to be completely wrong on this because I'm pulling it out of my ass, but was it Ted DiBiase? It was not Ted DiBiase. He, ne he never wrestled DiBiase in a singles match <laughs> in, really? That at WrestleMania. Weird. They had the tag match at nine against Money, Inc. Right. Uh, the, the answer is Andre the Giant. So a bit of a trick question. So at WrestleMania 2, he main evented against uh, King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy, yeah. 
uh, WrestleMania three was Andre the Giant the main event, right? And then at WrestleMania four, the title was vacant and there was a tournament. So Hogan wrestled Andre again in a tournament match at WrestleMania four. So technically, the third person he wrestled oh. at WrestleMania was Andre the Giant. Wasn't it an opening round match in that tournament too? That wasn't like a final. No, it was a second round match. They gave those two guys buys into the second round. WrestleMania four is my favorite WrestleMania, so I, I can tell you every moment of that thing. I also misspoke. He didn't actually main event WrestleMania four. He was in, involved in the main event uh-huh. of WrestleMania four. The the main event was actually Savage DiBiase. So I think you did really good. I don't keep score of these things, so and right, of course I I'm lying. I, and I do, so I'm winning. Oh, okay. So we both do because I have a complicated spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks all of our scores for all this. <laughs> but that was the swerve. Good job. I think we've done the job for Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. Kramer, you're going to be picking our next movie, and I hope it's as equally as exciting as mine. Well, it's funny that you would say that it could be equally exciting, because it's almost an equal of a movie. Our next film, we're going to stay in the world of terrorists laying siege to public places. But this time, instead of a theme park... We're going to a WWE house show, <gasps> and our hero must race against time in the WWE film Countdown, starring Dolph Ziggler. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, that's going to be great. God, does he, at any point in this movie, does he scream, it should have been me? I'm assuming at some point, I know I've seen the trailer a few times, he's throwing super kicks around as a police officer, <laughs> and if you... <laughs> And if you people don't know anything about this, if you people don't know anything about this movie, his boss at the police precinct is Kane. So it's going to be a, a good one. Double feature. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, that's that's going to be our next one. That's going to be wonderful. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at movie.marks or on Twitter at movie underscore marks. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. All the big ones, some of the little ones too. Uh, if you have suggestions for movies we should cover or comments on a show we've done, want to make fun of us, as we've discussed, we'll read anything. We're that desperate. You can email us at themoviemarks at gmail.com. And, of course, we are actively seeking corporate sponsorship of any kind. If you want to send us some money, and I'll come and do your laundry for a week. I don't, Whatever. I don't care. I'm not that picky. It's, it, it, it all goes in the big pot to keep this show running. Until next time, I'm Chris Sacco. I'm Chris Kramer. And we're The Movie Marks. enjoyed this week's exciting episode unfortunately it's our last after 15 years the network decided to pull the plug on our show according to the ratings most kids don't believe in heroes anymore insufficient power the battery must need a recharge try using the power cord it's no good we need a three-prong outlet